I can't think of any sector in the economy where if a government that has absolute power came in and said two things. One is, we're going to come in and bail out the competition uh, and give them subsidies to keep them alive. And then the more absurd thing is that we're going to tell them to take some of that subsidy and use it to undercut their pricing in the market. And that's exactly what's going on right now with states. Where's the Department of Justice saying that this is not right? I mean, for, yeah. for crying out loud, we had the president wanting to do subsidies for nuclear and coal. And it seems as if it's okay in the power markets. And I, it gets back to what I said earlier, which is I, th I still believe that some people still believe that we're in regulated markets where you have monopoly entities and you can do those sorts of things. But these are competitive markets. And then they use the excuse, by the way, that, well, it's not perfectly competitive. Well, create, that's crazy. No, no competitive market in the U.S. is perfectly competitive. All of them have some level of oversight by government authorities or intervention by government authorities. You know, no, one, no, no one really ever really engages in whether that's fair or not or has written anything on the idea that how can this happen? Hello, and welcome to the Stock Podcast. I'm Nate Abercrombie, the host of the only investing podcast that gives everyone the chance to hear public company CEOs and CFOs describe their business and provide the investment case for their company. In this episode, I'm really excited to bring you a follow-up interview with Kurt Morgan, the CEO of Vistra Energy, ticker symbol VST. When this interview was recorded, Vistra had a market cap of about 11.7 billion, total debt of 11.5 billion, and cash on the balance sheet was just over 700 million, putting the total enterprise value at almost 22.5 billion. Under the GIX classification system, Vistra falls within the utility sector. Now, if you haven't heard the first interview with Kurt, I highly recommend you do so. It was recorded back in June of 2018, and it's personally one of my favorite interviews. Speaking to Kurt is always a huge honor because he knows the electric power generation space extremely well. He's an extremely thoughtful business leader, and he helms what I personally think is one of the most interesting investment ideas out there today. Full disclosure, I do own Vistra shares. I've been a long-term shareholder, and I have no intention of selling my shares at this point in time. Again, this is my personal view, but Vistra is an extremely interesting and compelling investment idea. The company generates a ton of free cash flow, they're targeting investment grade debt metrics, which they'll hit by the end of next year, which could go a really long way for the stock to re-rate as investors and creditors get more comfortable with the business model. Anyway, stay tuned for the interview. It's a fascinating conversation with Kurt. But before we get to Kurt, I ask that you consider something for a moment. One of the goals of the stock podcast is to chip away at a key advantage that institutional investors have over the average investor. And one of those advantages is corporate access. Corporate access is a term used in professional investing, which is basically the chance to sit down with a senior management team from a public company. You get to hear the investment story straight from the top. And I wanted to give everyone the chance to hear these interviews. Because really, the way the industry works is you have to have a ton of money or work for an institutional investor to have the opportunity to sit down with management. And at least for institutional investors, the reason why they get to is because they pay big bucks to have access to management. For that reason, I ask that you consider supporting the program, and there are lots of different ways you can lend some support. Donations are certainly the most impactful, and if you'd like to make a contribution to the podcast, just check out the donate page on the website at thestockpodcast.com. 
or you could subscribe either on the website or on the podcast app that you use. And then finally, you can support the show by spreading the word. Please take a moment to tell someone who you think might get something out of these types of interviews about this podcast. Really, it means a lot. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising for podcasts, and it's a really easy way for you to support the program. All right, I'll stop there. Let's get to the interview with Vistra Energy CEO, Kurt Morgan. Kurt, thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's a a real honor to have you back on again, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward uh, to the discussion. Uh, There's a lot to talk about, so, uh, you know, we can dig right into the, the details. Yeah, and there is a lot to talk about. And and your 3Q call, you had a lot of updates. And believe me, I think I could spend probably two or three hours just, you know, picking your brain as to what's going on in the space and what's going on with Vistra specifically. But uh, before we get to some of the more detailed questions, I I was hoping that maybe you'd be able to just give a very brief business overview since, you know, there could be listeners that haven't listened to your previous interviews. So we'd just love to hear about the business and, and just really briefly on, on who you are and what your company does. Yeah, great. Um, so thanks a lot, Nate. Uh, we are an integrated uh, energy company. Uh, I know that some people call, used to call this the IPPs, but we think of ourselves as an integrated energy company. We're, we're in power and natural gas predominantly, but also coal and uranium because we have a nuclear plant. So we look, you know, we, we dabble in a lot of different energy commodities. And we're now, I think since we talked last, we're now in 20 states and the District of Columbia. We're also um, in retail markets in Canada and in Japan, which is a, a country that's uh, recently restructuring their power markets. We are the largest competitive residential electric provider in the country. We serve, you know, just nearly 5 million residential, commercial, and industrial retail customers with electricity and gas. So, you know, since Nate, the last time we talked, I think we've added, you know, over 2 million customers uh, to our portfolio. We also are one of the largest competitive power generators. So that's the integrated nature, the 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 uh, competitive power generation combined with the re- the competitive retail business, and and that's uh, obviously the generation is all in the U.S. We have about thirty eight thousand megawatts, um, and we have a, a very diverse portfolio. Uh, we're natural gas predominantly now, um, just about uh, two thirds of. Our generation is natural gas, and that's from a company that when I took over was probably closer to 70% coal. So we made we made a big pivot off of coal and into natural gas, which we can get into a little bit later. We also have uh, the lowest cost nuclear plant uh, here in ERCOT in Texas, in Comanche Peak. We also have, by the way, the, uh, the lowest cost uh, coal facility, Oak Grove, also in Texas. And so those are two big baseload uh, facilities that we have. We're now in solar. Um, we also have an, a portfolio of wind, but it's uh, through uh, purchase power agreements. And we, I think we have become one of the leading players in battery energy storage because we have uh, sites in California that are ideal for battery storage. Um, and given that California has a lot of solar and they need uh, dispatchable resources, quick start resources to come on when the sun goes down. Um, they've been uh, supporting battery uh, energy storage facilities and at our Moss Landing site, we're doing a 300 megawatt, but more importantly, 1200 megawatt hour 
battery facility. Uh, just it's just uh, south of San Francisco. So, you know, we have very low cost and low heat rate um, gas plants, as I mentioned, which means that they're uh, in the money, uh, and that's important for us because we are interested in trying to to achieve a stable, uh, consistent and somewhat predictable earnings stream and that the in the money nature of our fleet allows us to forward hedge and to take some of the volatility out of the business. You know, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we're focused on being very disciplined. I think the IPPs of the past, you know, bought at the wrong times of the cycles and they had very high leverage, which then when the market prices dropped, it put them in a really difficult position. And I think in this particular business, and because of all the, the the uncertainty and the change in the markets, you have to play from a, a, a you know very low leverage. And so, since we've come out of bankruptcy, that's been our number one focus is to make sure that we have a strong balance sheet, and then of course to have the integrated business with the retail and wholesale uh, matched together. And that integration really spells value for us because one, it's collateral efficient, but two. If you're selling to yourself, you're not getting the bad end of the bid-ask spread, and so there's not that bid-ask leakage that you'll see if you're just a long generator or a short retailer. It also allows you to manage the enormous risk that can sometimes uh, flare up, especially in Texas, if you're a, a short retailer, that you have to manage that risk. And having those assets uh, combined with our commercial capability allows us to manage the risk in this sector, which is very important. And, you know, we're driving to two and a half times net debt to EBITDA, which has been the target that we put out there uh, some time ago. And we should, by the balance of, you know, 2020, be where we want to be on that. But I think more important than that, it puts us in a position that we are, we we are, will be under consideration for investment grade ratings, which I think is also a visible sign that this company, uh, the risk of this company is much lower than it used to be. Uh, We convert about, 65 cents of every dollar of adjusted EBITDA to adjusted free cash flow before growth. So that means after we service our debt and after we pay for maintenance capital, we're dropping down, you know, about about two thirds of our EBITDA to free cash flow, which that allows us to either put it back into the company or to give it to investors, give it back to investors, which we plan uh, plan to do a large part of. So, you know, I think uh, when you look at our EBITDA, which is over $3 billion a year, um, you know, we're going to be converting roughly $2 billion a year in free cash flow. That's a that's a heck of a lot of, of cash to, to generate. And we think that we can put about a quarter of that $2 billion back into the business on an annual basis on average, which means, you know, we have a billion, roughly a billion and a half uh, to do something with. And we're going to have a strong dividend. We already do. And we'll probably continue to keep that strong dividend. And then we'll look for other ways, whether it's through share of repurchases or special dividends. We'll just have to see how that how that plays out. But that's really, uh, you know, kind of who we are and what we're about. Um, you know, we we try to pair strong commercial capability uh, with risk management, um, along with uh, you know very attractive asset base, uh, and combined with a uh, a very strong residential focused retail business we think that's really the the core to our business and if you combine that with a strong balance sheet uh, that's really who vistra is yeah I, I appreciate that and 
Uh, I really appreciate you highlighting some of the portfolio changes since the last time we spoke, and and then also just highlighting the the um, the capital allocation philosophy at a high level. And I personally think it's extremely compelling, and it's one of the reasons why I'm a shareholder. But you know, just before we move on, I was curious. Uh, are there any industry changes since the last time that we spoke that you'd like to talk about here? I mean, it, it, what's happened in your space, in your sector, it, to your point, if you can call it that, what's happened in your sector over the past 12 months that you think is interesting and worth talking about? I think consolidation has been occurring in the retail side of the business. Uh, you know, NRG and Vistra have somewhat, in, in that regard, they have somewhat, you know, consistent aspirations. I think we both would like to grow our retail business. I think having access to the customer is probably uh, the most important thing for us as a business because on the generation side, te- that technology is going to change over time. Uh, and we're already seeing that, which is the other thing that I believe that's, that's uh, happened in our sector is, you, you know, you can't wake up any any morning without hearing an announcement of somebody, and it's usually a big player, Google or you know, Amazon or whoever it is, some, you know, in, entering into the uh, power generation business by owning uh, a renewable uh, power plant of some sort. And so you've, you've seen that a lot of companies have, have gotten interested in our sector. I think it's the most visible way for these companies to show that they are embracing climate change and that they are green focused. So that presents uh, some risk, but it also presents opportunities for the company. Um, and so I'd say, you know, from, from our standpoint, just the consolidation on the retail side has been interested, but also the, the, the interest in the renewable side. I have to tell you, it reminds me a bit though, of when all the combined cycle gas plants were built in the late nineties in 1990s and then early two thousands where you had a lot of developers and a lot of people who really didn't understand the markets or the business that were spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars investing in power plants. And, uh, and then within a short period of time, many of those assets were in financial distress uh, because they were not the natural owners of those assets. And even though on a, on a, on a spreadsheet, it looked really great. Uh, when when the actuality uh, occurred and they had to manage those assets and basis differentials and, and fuel and all the things that go into managing uh, a power generation asset, they I think that it didn't turn out quite the way they thought. So, you know, I do think that even though we've got a lot of interest by uh, people who are not really in this business um, right now, I think over time that'll settle out and you'll see more of the natural owners uh, step in and take some of these assets over. Maybe they manage them for them. Maybe they get them out of financial distress. But that's been a big deal. Um, we also, I think, um, since we spoke last, we finally had a you know somewhat of a summer here in ERCOT, and I think that was a big deal uh, because I think uh, there was a lot of bearishness around the ERCOT market and summer and forward curves had come off, and, and you know there there were really few believers, and then we. We realized with the change in the operating reserve demand curve, where they increase increased the slope of that curve, we saw some some really high pricing. We had 12, 15 minute intervals that cleared uh, at the price cap of nine thousand dollars in ERCOT. So that was a big deal. We've also, uh, as a company, 
we've paid down, you know, just a little bit under a billion dollars of debt. So as I told you, we're heading toward that two and a half times net debt. And then we've repriced about $10 billion of debt. I think you remember when we bought Donagy, they had over $10 billion of debt. It was all fairly high interest rate debt. So it presented an opportunity for us uh, to refinance that. And we've also done some things where we've refinanced some of their debt um, you know, into bonds that are secured bonds. But then when we become investment grade, uh, that security goes away. And we've also been refinancing some of our term loan debt because you can't be investment grade with a bunch of term loan debt. So we really worked hard on our balance sheet. The interest rate savings alone on the work that we've done would be you know, almost $200 million a year on interest rate savings. So there was, there was a big value. If you'd like to continue listening to this interview, you'll need to become a member. To become a member, just visit stockpodcast.com. Members have access to all full-length episodes, and depending on the membership that you purchase, you can even have access to the transcripts. So just go to the website, thestockpodcast.com, and click membership at the top. Also, if you really enjoyed the music, you should check out Danheim. That's D-A-N-H-E-I-M. Mike at Danheim gave me permission to use the music for the podcast, and so a huge thanks to Danheim. And with that, take care and good luck with your portfolio.